We're going to pick back up in Proverbs chapter 7, verse 12. Remember, Proverbs was written mostly by Solomon. And Solomon has been said to be the wisest man to ever live. I think Jesus was wiser. (laughs) I know he was wiser. But as far as a man who didn't have the whole being God thing going for him, Solomon was pretty wise. And he was wise in the fact that his first act of wisdom was saying, God, I don't know what I'm doing. You've made me king, and I need you to make me wise because I have no idea how to do this. And that's true wisdom is recognizing that we need God's power in our life to do everything. Uh, Even the things that we're ordained to do, we still need God to handle them. And with that, you know, I hear, I try, I listen to different pastors and I try and keep my ear to the ground in some circles, but in some of them, I just, I hear a lot of, and these guys are smart men and they follow the Lord and Lord's user ministry. And I don't doubt any, any of that, but I know for a fact, that's not me. I could try and be heady. I could try and use big words, but for me, the gospel is simple, and uh, the point is that logic isn't going to get us anywhere. We can go back and forth, and I have a friend who would make a spreadsheet when he'd make a decision, of the pros and cons of everything he would do when he was making a decision. And those things are good, and there's a wisdom to that, right? Especially with business or financial things, right? It should plan out, right, before you, you spend a lot of money. But when it comes to spiritual things, we can't discern, we can't, like the Bible would say, um, divinate or play God using just human logic, just using our brain, just using even our knowledge of Scripture, right? We really need, those things can guide us in a lot of things, right? Don't steal, don't do wrong, do right. But when it comes down to the personal thing for us, we really need to be led by the Spirit. As the Bible says, just as you don't know where the wind is coming to where it's going, so you can't tell the person who's led by the Spirit. And Lord, we want to be led by your Spirit tonight. That the things that you speak to us are by your spirit and of your spirit and of your kingdom. And that, God, we would follow that. And, Lord, that you'd set a fire here. If it was just us, if you'd bring other people, that would be great. But most of all, that they would be set on fire, too. That anyone who listens online would be set on fire, not by the foolishness of my mouth, but of the grace and mercy and truth of your spirit and of your son, Jesus. And we ask that you just illuminate the scriptures to us through that way. Teach us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And God, we love you. Because you love us. So Proverbs chapter 11, verse 12. It says, He who is void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. And I think that's a big one. I think because, especially in our day and age, you know, we don't love our neighbors. Uh, at least in the bigger cities, you don't even really know your neighbor. You don't know the person who lives in the apartment below you, above you, below you. You might know one or two neighbors, but sometimes you don't know the person on the other side of the wall. Riding, I saw New York City subways are getting rid of the, their old ticketing system and going to a new one, and yet you can still get a paper ticket. So is it really that much different other than using your phone? But you go on the subway, you go to New York City, everyone puts their heads down. No one looks at each other. No one talks to each other. I mean, maybe they do now because there's a lot more fighting. But you don't know your neighbor. And in a way, that's kind of despising your neighbor, right? And I get that there's weird social constructs and things like being in an elevator and not just talking to a stranger sometimes. But if you live next to someone and you have the opportunity to talk to them or go over there or share with them, right? 
and just ignore them, I think you're despising them in a little bit. We have neighbors, and you don't have to be best friends with everybody. You can't really control who you move next to sometimes. But we've had some very good neighbors. We've had some very bad neighbors, too. Uh, but we've tried to be good neighbors as well. Um, because it's just in a practical sense wise, right? If you need a cup of sugar, it's kind of good to have a neighbor who's got a cup of sugar. Uh, a neighbor has a dog. They need someone to walk it. Mia's happy to walk it, and the neighbor pays them right? It's nice to have neighbors. You have a community, right? You've got your family and then you've got your neighborhood and neighbors should take care of each other. We all make sure we're doing okay. And my neighbor came over when I was cutting the tree down, you know, I, he has animals and we don't, we've got a little barbed wire back there and he asked if he could take it down. He still hasn't. It's like a year ago. I said, if you need help to do it, I can help you. But as a neighbor, I'm not going to like let something stand in the way, right? Same thing with Mr. Brian, our friend back in the Bitterroot, good neighbor. Um, our old UPS guy was from New York, saw that we were from New York, was very neighborly to us in that. Because if you despise your neighbor, who does it really hurt? It really hurts you. You lose out on having a neighbor or having a neighborhood or having a community that you can rely on, let alone them. If you just look at it in a selfish way, it's foolish. The person lives right next to you. Do you really want to have drama with the person who lives next to you every time you come home from work, every time you go outside? Do you really want to despise seeing that person? No, it's foolish. It's good to have a neighborhood. And I think that's, I mean, the major reason why our society is falling apart is we've abandoned God. And from abandoning God, we've turned the family into something to be despised. And children, because there's no more family to raise the children, we've given the children over the government. And because the government is immoral, the government is corrupting the children and trying to even more make pass laws to, to have children come away from their parents and be mutilated. But if we just had neighborhoods and families, and don't get me wrong, it's not the community's responsibility to raise the children, it's the families. But if we just had a little bit of understanding, a little bit of wisdom, we would at least not despise our neighbor. We would at least, like Romans says, live at peace with all men. It says, but a man of understanding holds his peace. Again, I'll bring up Pastor Vinny. When you understand something, even if you're on the right, sometimes you just keep your mouth shut because it's better than starting a fight. And especially with a neighbor, hold your peace, right? If there's a problem, eventually get to it. But we're talking about HOAs at work there today and just how ridiculous they are and the things they do and the money that people pay for them. And it's just such a ridiculous thing. Why would you want more government and more taxes? especially your neighbors unchecked. Verse 13, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is faithful spirit conceals a matter. You know, a talebearer reveals secrets because they love to talk. People who love to talk, you know, it's been said, uh, you know, I don't know if it's been said, but the concept really, if someone tells you someone else's secret, don't tell them a secret because they'll tell someone else your secret because they're showing themselves to you to be unfaithful so you can't trust them with your secrets if someone likes the backbite if someone likes the gossip i guarantee they're gossiping about you as well and we all do it from time to time and should be repented of but someone whose life is that way that they just love to talk they love to tell stories and for some reason they don't have any of their own stories 
They have to tell their own stories. It's great to be a storyteller. It's great to tell a joke. It's great to tell a funny anecdote or something that happened in life. But tell your own. Why do you got to tell someone else's story? You know, there's, there's deeper things there going on in your heart when you reveal others' secrets. And the truth is, is that you are unfaithful. You're unfaithful with your mouth, with your friendship, with your heart. Because it says, he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter, right? I'll, I'll only throw someone under the bus if it's absolutely necessary, I hope. There's plenty of times I want to. Plenty of times you could. And I need to be more faithful with this, I'm sure. But if we're faithful, we're going to cover it up. Why? Because we know it's not our place. We have a humble position, a humble attitude, and realize it's not my place to talk about this. It's not my place to backbite and hurt someone and cut someone down. I'm going to conceal it and build them up. Now, if it's something like a crime, right? You're going to want to tell someone about that crime. You, don't, you can actually be an accomplice to crime. If someone who's committed a crime tells you and you hide it from the authorities, you become an accomplice in certain circumstances, right? If someone hurts you or, threat, or hurts you and threatens to, to say something bad about you, if you tell that they hurt you, right? Let's say somebody you know, you love, hurts you and says, don't tell anyone that I hurt you, otherwise I'll do this. Well, you still tell someone because that's not a reason to be under it. That's not a reason to keep a secret. You won't get in trouble, they'll get in trouble. So you want to reveal the things that need revealing, but you also don't want to reveal them if they don't, right? Love covers a multitude of sins. Someone says against you, you don't need to turn around and backbite against them, right? There's other steps to handle that. Sometimes there is a right way to say it, but you don't need to tell a secret. Right? Someone says, confides in you that they've got some gross skin disease and they just need to get it off their chest and they share with you and then you go tell a friend, do you know John, little Johnny has stinky feet? <laughs> no, you don't, you know, there's no need to throw them under the bus like that because they were, they were in a place of need and a hurt and looking for you for comfort. And you've turned around and thrown it out on someone else. And nothing is worse than when the people we love share things like that. When, when we just came to them for help or we came to them to confide in them. So keep your mouth shut. Because a man of understanding will hold peace. Uh, and where there is no counsel, verse 14, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That this, this in and of itself says, hey, part of wisdom is getting advice. Part of wisdom is having people around you that you can trust. You know, if it's a personal matter, have close personal friends who are invested in you. Also, you need to be careful who you trust because just like when we're playing Axis and Allies, if you're my enemy in the, in the game and you come to me for advice, I might give you advice that benefits me and I'll frame it to benefit you, but it really benefits me. So you want to make sure that the people you get counsel from are not tailbearers. You get counsel from people who are faithful and have shown themselves faithful. There's people in my life who I will share deep things with and there's other people in my life who I won't share deep things with for one reason or another. And it's not that I don't, some people it's that I don't find the relationship, they're either unfaithful in that or they're not ready to handle that. They're not strong enough to handle it. In my estimation, it's probably wrong half the time. But you need to get advice from practical matters 
right? If you don't know anything about cars and you're going to buy a car, ask someone to help you. If you don't know anything about computers and you need to get a computer, ask someone, right? I've got friends like, I don't know much about plumbing. So when I've got problems with plumbing, I'll text a friend. I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? But I'll try not to overuse it. I don't want to make them feel like that's the only thing I talk to them about because it's not the only thing I want to talk to them about. And I don't want to, I know what it's like when people ask me computer questions all the time. It's like, the point where it's like, can we just have a normal conversation? Is this the only reason you want me, right? But it's good to ask for that counsel. And it says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And that's part of why the government was designed the way it was, is that we would have multiple representatives and multiple people representing and checks and balances in the different branches of government because it was meant to be this wisdom of the, of the people. The problem is that with the founding fathers, they said that it only works in a moral society. And the same thing works when you get counsel from someone. They have to be a moral person. They have to know what's right. They have to know what's wrong. They don't necessarily, you, you don't necessarily have to, be a, have to have a Christian banker. You just have to have a banker who's honest. You don't necessarily have to have a Christian mechanic. You just have to have a mechanic who's honest and knows what he's doing, right? But when it comes to spiritual things, you need to have someone who knows God. And when you need spiritual counsel, you want to get spiritual counsel from someone who knows God. You wouldn't want to get spiritual counsel from your mechanic. And you probably don't want to get most mechanic advice from your pastor, unless your pastor is a mechanic. Because these are meant to be safety in that. That part of wisdom is realizing you don't have all the answers. Part of wisdom realizes that your friend is really good at this, that your acquaintance is really good at this, your boss is really good at this, the person who is made a lot of money in the stock market is probably the right person to ask in how to make money in the stock market. Because they've shown themselves wise and faithful in those things. And I think a problem with our society and our and you know guys, we don't like to stop and ask for directions. We should ask for directions from the Lord, from our wives, from our family. I try and ask you guys for advice sometimes. What do you think of this? Do you think we should move here? Do you think we should do this? Do you want to do this, right? Not that your answer is necessarily going to be the final answer I go with, but I want to include you on decision-making because I think, it, especially when it affects all of us, it's wise to do so. But again, make sure you know that you're asking the right people for the right advice and don't go ask them, you know, don't ask someone you just met on advice on the biggest important things. Let them be tried in smaller things first. Verse 14, uh, no, I'm sorry, verse 15. He who puts up a pledge for a stranger will suffer for it, and he who hates being a pledge is secure. That, man, this is like the credit system. I remember when I was, before I knew the Lord, it was college age, I didn't have credit yet. I really wish I had someone to advise me earlier in life and make better financial decisions. But I didn't have credit yet, and I wasn't very good with money. I'm still not very good with money. But I was really bad with money then. And I wanted to buy a shiny new car. I wanted a sports car, and I wanted a Jeep. And I would go to the dealer and try and get a price and figure it out. And I could afford it. I was making enough money to afford it, but I didn't have the credit. And so I asked my mom if she would co-sign for me on a loan. And she said, no. She said, if you don't pay it back, it's going to affect my credit. She didn't trust me. Right or wrong, probably right. But she didn't trust me to be faithful with giving her money for that, right? I think I would have been. I hope I would have been, but you never know. 
the rest of my life wasn't showing me to be faithful in things, so I don't, I don't really blame her for that. And that's the same thing for us. If a stranger comes up to you and says, hey, I need you to sign on the dotted line for me, don't do it. Why are you going to put yourself on a line for someone you don't know if they're faithful or not? You barely know their name, let alone if they have a job, let alone if there's all these other, they're going to pay, their, pay it back, they're going to be faithful. It's just going to come back and hurt you. So it says, if you put up a pledge for a stranger, you're going to suffer for it. They're just going to take advantage of you. And he who hates being a pledge is secure. That if you hate doing that, you're never going to lose your money, in a sense, because you're never going to give it out wrongly. You're never going to have the creditor come take your things because someone else didn't make a payment because you were wise. And the Bible says that the, the borrower is servant to the lender, right? That we, if you borrow money from someone, you become their servant. So the key is to try and stay out of debt as much as possible. Now there's good debt and bad debt, but that's another story. But I think the key of these past couple of verses is who are we trusting? Who are we trusting for advice? Who are we trusting with our own, with things that are important to us? Whether it's our heart, whether it's a decision, whether it's our finances, whether it's our possessions, whether it's our friendships, whether it's our relationships, who do we trust with these things? Now, people are always going to let you down, right? My kids, you guys say I'm the best dad ever, and I appreciate that. I don't think so. But I think a lot of you would say that, like Jacob said the other night, that God is the best dad, that you have your heavenly father to depend on. And now I never want to fail you, but I've failed you before, and I'll fail you again, and I pray that I hope I don't fail you in big ways. Same thing with my wife. Same thing with her and me. We try not to fail each other, but we do at times. And the only reason why it doesn't throw us totally off is because we have a God who won't fail us and a God who can trust us. That's the same thing. Above all, trust God and it'll make the rest of your relationships easier. You'll know, you'll know better who to trust. You'll get duped from time to time. But trust the right people with the right things who have the right motives and the right morals and the right beliefs. And how do we know that? Through what the Bible says and through prayer. It says, A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. That A woman who's gracious, again, it's about keeping the right things, trusting the right things. And a woman who's gracious will stay honorable. And as a woman, you want to be gracious. It's a great thing to see in a woman, someone who's kind, who's gentle, who's forgiving, who's not bitter. Because it's so easy to see a woman who's bitter and angry. All these videos you see of the quote-unquote Karens out there in the world who are screaming and angry and not getting their way and mad at their husbands or their exes or just hate men. They're not gracious. And they lose all their honor when they're out there screaming on the street for you to get out of their way. And ruthless men retain riches. You know that some of the people who are rich in this world are rich because they're ruthless. Because they will keep their money at any cost, no matter what it does to people around them. And it's hard to steal from someone who's tough. That doesn't mean they have a sword. It means that they have a sword in their business. Verse 17, the merciful, man, the merciful man does good to his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own body. That, you know, at the end of the day, people think that being unforgiving or being hating, being angry towards someone else hurts the other person, and it does. But the person it burdens most half the time is yourself. So if you're merciful to other people, it does good to you. You get, ah, you don't have to deal with it. You realize that you've been merciful, you've let it go. You look at all the people that have mental health issues, it's probably because a lot of it's unforgiveness. 
not to mention sin and everything else, but they're hanging on to everything. They're angry. Everyone else's, it's everyone else's problem but mine. The problems in my life are is everyone else. Well, maybe they are, but be merciful. And you know what? You'll begin to walk on that water of life. You won't be weighed down by it anymore. If someone else does something bad to you, you forgive them. You're merciful to them. It doesn't bother you anymore. It doesn't keep you up at night. It doesn't stress you out. And not that there shouldn't be accountability for things, but I think you know what I'm going there. And he was cruel troubles his own body. You're mean to someone else? You can, you can look at people in life and see kind of what a life they're living. If someone is on substances, you can tell after a while. It affects their body. It changes them. Same thing with overeating. You can see that they're bigger. But when someone who's angry or someone who's unforgiving or someone who's bitter, you'll see it in their wrinkles and their face and their eyes and their demeanor. Like we were talking to Mima the other day and I know she loves to work and drive the bus, but she, thank you know this, you never guessed she just had a heart attack and sorry Mima, I'm throwing you on the bus. But she looks really great. She looks really rested. She looks really relaxed. She looks really relieved. Like there's not this weight on her. And she's probably just needed a good vacation like we all do, right? But even more for her, she's, she's raised a family and worked hard and works hard and has a lot happened in the past few years. And I think it's done good. It's done good, you know. But there's other people you can see that, man, no amount of vacation is going to fix you. <laughs> fix you and not that Mima was looking bad before by any stretch of imaginations but you could tell you could just tell the wicked works a deceitful work but to him who sows righteousness will be a sure reward that wicked and the work that they do the things that they do it's deceitful it's lying you know the more you look into the world the more you see that everybody's lying and covering up and twisting things that get their own way but you know what if you do righteousness Sometimes you lose that in life. You do the right thing and pay your tax. You do the right thing and lose out on that bid because you were refused to be dishonest in business. You might have lost that business, but know that you're going to have the right reward at the end. You don't have the stress of the tax man coming after you. And more than that, you have the blessing of God on your life. As righteousness tends to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death realize that what is the wages of sin death so if you pursue evil there's only one end to evil it's not good you might get rich along the way you might get famous along the way you might have everything you want along the way but the end of it is death those who have a perverse heart are an abomination to the lord but sisters as are upright in their way are his delight and it's interesting that there's a few things that are abominations in the bible and I won't go into detail of them tonight, but they're all perverse. It's all a twisting. It's all a changing of what God made or what God made right. And it's perverse of heart. Some people look totally fine on the outside, but their heart is perverse. You don't begin to hear it in the things that they say, things that they talk about. And it's an abomination to the Lord. I almost get the sense it's kind of like God's like, I'm not even going to minister to you. You're so far gone. I know that's not really God's heart, but there's a difference between someone who's sinning and struggling without the Lord and someone who's just perverse on purpose. Someone who's willfully transgressing and hard and cold and wicked. And the reverse is, but uh, such as are upright in their way are his delight. 
that God said he loved David because he was a man after God's own heart. You look at David's life, it's full of error. It doesn't excuse it. Paul says to a continuous sin, that grace may abound, God forbid. But God wants us to be upright in our way, want to desire the right way, to attain, to seek after, to go for the rightest way possible. And we're never going to get it right all the time, but we have a goal, we have a compass. And that delights God. If you want to delight God, it's not about being perfect. It's about wanting His perfection in your life. Though be assured, the wicked will not be unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered that you know what it's it's struggle it's a struggle in life like the psalmist says that when you saw the wicked you almost stumbled the wicked are getting away with things the wicked are in control the wicked are rich the wicked don't worry about their next paycheck and some of them do right but like the most affluent successful people and yet you see how depressed they are and weird they are their punishment is coming at the end of the, it'll come eventually if not they're suffering it now They've got everything they want in life, but they're not fulfilled. They're not happy. They're not happy like the, the poor pastor in Asia who's got a flock of a few people and sees them come to know the Lord and the fulfillment in his life. Or the mom who takes care of her children and who gave up a big career and sees her kids be successful. That's better than anything I'm sure of. And as a jewel of gold, this one's kind of one I love to quote. But as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman who is without discretion. Think of a pig. And they put a thing of gold in their nose, right? How expensive is that gold ring that they just shoved in a pig's nose to lead it around to say it's yours? What? You know, they say, why would you put lipstick on a pig, right? Like our old house, no matter how much money we would have poured into it, it never would have been nice. It would have been nicer, but it never would have been nice. It would have been lipstick on a pig. And you go, it's just not worth it. Why would you put all your money into something that is just going to roll around in the mud? Something that at the end of the day is, is never going to stop being a pig, no matter how much gold you put on it. No matter how much time you invest into it, no matter how much you love it, no matter how much you paint it, it it's never going to be a dog. It's never going to be a cow. It's never going to be anything but a pig that loves to roll around in the mud and in poop and eat trash. And here's the thing. It says, so is, this is this, this picture that makes so much sense to us is looking at us is applied to this as well. It's the same thing. The Bible says as a beautiful woman, she's very pretty. Everyone thinks she's pretty. She's got all the right qualities, right? Maybe she's smart. Maybe she's fit. Maybe, you know, all the things that people would think of as being someone being perfect looking and, and perfect genetically and perfect every way. But she doesn't have that moral quality. She doesn't have what's called discretion. So she doesn't know how to carry herself as a lady. She doesn't cross her legs when she sits. She doesn't cover her body when she dresses. She tells every boy that she loves them and gives everybody a kiss that wants a kiss. It's like you have this beautiful, wonderful specimen and it's completely and utterly ruined. No matter how many earrings she puts on, no matter how many haircuts she gets, no matter how many dresses she buys, she's filthy. She's dirty. 
And the only people that are going to want to be around her are not people who love her, but people who want to take advantage of her and use that beauty for their own gain. And unfortunately, that's the way the world is. You see a lot of people who are famous, men and women, are famous because of their looks, actors. Some of them can act, but a lot of them are there just because they're pretty. Just because they have nice muscles. Or they have a great chin, or whatever it is. And then when they open their mouth, you go, why do we listen to these people? And then they make politics. And then they try and influence people to say, you need to think like I do. The rich Hollywood person who has sold their morality and soul up a river who's really a swine with gold in their nose, right? That this, this, this beauty, this smart, this talent was wasted on a moral pig, is what the Bible is saying. So don't let that be you. Don't waste the things God has given you. Your talent, excuse me, your looks, your innocence, your heart. The Bible says, guard your heart with all things for out of it throw the, flow the wellsprings of life, the issues of life, that we need to guard our hearts and our minds we shouldn't be polluted by those things. And we're going to read one or two more here and finish up. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. That when God says he gives us the desires of our heart, right? When we follow him. That the when you love God, the things you want in life the most are only going to be good things. And when you stop wanting the good... when you. There's no way for you to really not want a good thing. Maybe it's not the best thing. God will change your course. But when you come to know the Lord, like he's going to put desires in your heart to follow him, to love him, to get married, to have kids, to start a business, to be faithful in the things God has given you. And all those things are good. That's not a bad thing to want. If you're righteous, if you're following God, It's going to be pretty hard for you to want something that's bad. It's going to take away your peace. It's going to bother you. God's not going to let you enjoy it. You're going to get it. And you, like the Israelites, you're going to have leanness of soul because you realize this isn't the best thing. This isn't a good thing. I wanted it because I saw it on TV. Like I remember right before I became no Lord, all my friends got this certain type of car and I wanted the same car, but I couldn't afford it. And so I tried as hard as I could to get another car that was just like it, but not as nice. It was like a cheaper version of it. And I came to know the Lord and I was still shopping for the car and my dad offered me another car. I said, no, 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 I really want this one. And it was a total lemon and it was a waste. And I got upside down on my loan because of it, because it was so damaged. I didn't know much about mechanics then. And so I suffered for it. If I had just been humble and let go of this desire, I was not good. The desire to have a car was right. But I was obsessing over this other car and I could have had another car that was better. And that's the same thing. The desires that we have are from God are all good. We just need to outlet them in the proper ways. And when you're wicked, the only thing a wicked person can ex expect at the end of their life at the end of the day is wrath. And that's why they're all afraid. That's why they push these laws and these things because at the end of it, they really they realize they're not. They're living under wrath and they're afraid of it coming on them. And so they're trying to do everything they can to hang on to that. And we'll stop there tonight. That Man, we need to be careful what we're hanging on to, careful what we let go of, careful who we give it to, whether it's our heart to a friend, we 
Don't just trust a friend because they're there. Trust a friend because they've shown themselves faithful, especially to the Lord. Just because they call themselves a Christian, make sure that they really are before you share the deepest things with them, right? Because the people that we start hanging around with are the people that we become like. And more often than not, they'll influence you more than you realize. Uh, And with that, be careful with what we spend. Realize that we need advice in all things in life. That's why, you know, a real wise person loves learning and will continue to learn and be teachable, um, even if they do know it all, to take it to heart and consider it uh, and consider it under the scripture and under the Lord. So, God, we ask that you'd help us be wise. Thank you for your word. God, please help us be good counsel to those around us and to uh, bless them with, God, the only thing we can bless them is with the stuff that you gave us, the, to give them scripture, not our opinion, but what does the scripture say? And that's always been the best life, uh, best life advice I've gotten from people around me. Is that what they said? Yeah, the anecdotes and, anecdote, anecdotes and stories were good when they said, you know what, I had this happen and I did this. That's great practically. But the best was when they say, well, what is the Lord showing you? Or, you know what, the Lord did this in my life and showed me this. And this is a scripture I've been reading. Or let me pray for you at the very least. And so, God, we know that you pray for us and you watch over us. So, God, let us be wise in that and offer that to others, what you've given to us first. And, God, make us wise by your word. We can't be wise in our own flesh. And uh, sometimes that just practically means to do things the right way. So help us do that. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first light until